This is TDPS. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press, when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help it if my writing sets the scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? And I'm very not gay, Eric Shaw Quinn. <laughs> and you're listening to the not gay TDPS presents Christopher. And Eric, who's just gay as gay a holiday tablecloth. as a French horn, as they once said on the Letterman show when I was a kid. Gay as a French horn was I wonder used. how that would play on the late show today. I don't think it would play very well. But Letterman's not really around. He's got his own thing now. He does a sort of sit-down show. My guest show. needs no introduction. Right. Which, you know, so now he's completely not doing his job. <laughs> Anyway, we had a dialogue here. We had a little dialogue before the tape started rolling about uh, breath support and masculine voices, which... uh, We really didn't. Christopher just said, (laughs) as I try and sound like a man, and I said, is anyone in particular... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Leslie Jordan. Then we did two or three different... Hi, y'all. Uh, hi, y'all. Um, yeah, no, we did two or three different versions of that opening, all, all of which were as bad as the one that we ultimately absolutely, used. Absolutely, absolutely. Just go with the, the least bad of the bad. Uh, that's our motto here at the TDPS Network. But we're a proud gay podcast, and this is a proud gay episode. My initial title for this episode, I believe, has been rejected based on Eric's reaction to seeing it in the show notes. The squealing heartstopper fanboy episode, I take it, doesn't work for you, Eric? I really have never even thought about it until, like, 
two seconds before <laughs> we went on the air and I saw it in the notes for this particular recording session. So I don't know. So you'll have to find out for yourself. Go check the website and see who won. <laughs> Go see what we actually called it before we posted it. And that'll be an answer for you. But it's a special it's, anniversary it, today. I think the thing, it was the dangling modifier of it that caught me when I looked at it because it's the squealing heart stopper as opposed to the squealing fanboy heart stopper episode. Fanboy is divided from... Well, I would call them, I would call you and possibly me Heartstopper fanboys if we, if I were referring to us as, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. But it, the way that it reads, it's like squealing Heartstopper. It's like squealing is modifying Heartstopper instead of fanboys. Oh, yes, absolutely. Language is so odd, isn't it? Isn't it just the weirdest thing? It's almost as odd as math, which leads us into our next topic, which is today is a special anniversary, but we're not quite sure oh my God. how long ago we it was. We believe... We believe from counting on our fingers. Yes. And it's still, we can just do it with fingers. We don't have to involve toes yet. We think that is the seventh anniversary of overturning DOMA and doing away with Proposition 8. So it's like the beginning of us kind of sort of almost having, you know, rights and yeah. being citizens in our own country. It was earlier this month, I think it was the... Third or fourth anniversary of the workplace. Um, Enda. Enda. Enda, yeah. Where I remember you? Enda failing when I was a young gay man. It failed. It was They tried to make it legislation in Congress, and it was voted down, yes. And then I think it was passed later. And, uh, years later. Yeah, we're, so we actually can't be fired for being gay. And now we're, and we're sort of allowed to be gay, and we can even like have the same rights as other people. Mm -hmm. um, unless we live in Florida, apparently, yes. in which case we can't tell anybody, right. but we can still have the rights, I think. I'm not sure how that works. Exactly. Now, for the few eight-year-olds that are listening to our podcast, why don't you tell them a little bit about what the DOMA decision was? <laughs> <laughs> Some people may not remember. I've started taking that tone to make myself sound old and mature, and I'll be like, now, if you don't remember children, and I'll realize I'm talking about something that happened four years ago, it's just been a pretty miserable couple of years since then, so they seem much longer, you know, like the pandemic. And you are added. getting older, so it's harder older, to remember yes. exactly how long things have been. But it's also startling Yeah, how long things have been and how long things have not been. Yes. Like, the one that always gets me is, like, how long ago President Obama was elected president. Yeah. And, the fact that there weren't smartphones, that he was still using a BlackBerry. Yes. Mm -hmm. When he was elected, and that wasn't that long ago, but was, you know, like, yeah, stuff yeah. that's really, what was it? There was something the other day that was happened 50 years ago, and I was like, seems like that would be longer ago. I can't even remember what it was anymore because I'm that old. I um, once remember being resoundingly attacked by my best friend, whose name rhymes with Rarick uh, Min, and um, I was miscalculating the anniversary of the release of the film Jaws as being, you know, 60 or 70 years ago, and he went, okay, all right, all right, all right calm down. It was like, it wasn't that long ago. I went to see it in the theater as a teenager. <laughs> yes, that was, yeah, that was the extreme, but you were doing that to provoke me. I I'm still, I'm not, not laughing. I'm still trying to remember what it was that they said was 50 years ago, and I was, and I was so baffled by I was thinking, no, that has to have been longer than 50 years ago. Penicillin. No. 
rotary phones. I'll think about it during the break. You Maybe don't want me to just to keep me. barfing up unhelpful suggestions. That's going to be the thing that prevents me from ever remembering. <laughs> That's like when you're trying to remember a number and someone oh. just runs up. Oh, you remembered it. It was it was the pre- it was the um, Watergate. It was the resignation. Oh, okay. I was like the thing that occurred to me was so I was. 13 but that's involves math so maybe i was 12 but right. like that seems older i remember watergate happening when i feel like when i was younger than that that i was not the, as old as that when the um, when president nixon resigned. okay so let me give us a little history lesson here though so like we 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 just had the january 6th hearings right and people are comparing them to the watergate hearings which i assume is why it was in your mind the other day no the anniversary was why it was in my mind okay. the other day um uh <laughs> anyway don't question me i'm getting to my point um <laughs> what was were people watching the hearing the watergate hearings the same way they're they're consuming this hearings were they all prime time or when the watergate hearings happened yeah there were three choices <laughs> Of television that stations. That was all you, you could watch. Yeah. And they all, I think, played the hearings when they were happening. Like, so that, that so was there wasn't it. anything else to watch. So you either watched the hearings or you didn't watch television. There may have been a period where they took turns, but that seems like maybe that was something that happened later, where oh. each day one of them would air it and then the other two wouldn't. Mm. And they traded off from day to day so that if yeah. you wanted to watch the hearings, you could, but it didn't preempt all television. But I think initially it was that was it. If you wanted to watch television, that was what was on. That and, was it. So, But what did you do? Did you watch them or did you go write an angry letter that it was preempting Secret, Secret Squirrel? Secret Squirrel was yeah. – that was President Johnson's daughter's wedding. Bitch. Um, that bitch got married on a Saturday in the White preempted House. Secret preempted Secret Squirrel. preempted Secret Squirrel and I wrote the president about it. I was not <laughs> happy about not getting to see Secret Squirrel, but I was like six. Um, so by the time I was 13 – Secret Squirrel didn't come on anymore. <laughs> and I'd already written to the networks about it. You had already started a letter-writing campaign to get Secret Squirrel back on the air. And I it- cannot. I don't think I did watch them very, um, like, minute to minute. I have always found that a bit, yeah. like, really, can't we just give me a summer, a top-line report on this? Like, You won't, really you won't to- watch election returns. I'll stay up late and watch election returns. You're like, it's going to be the same in the morning. Right. I'm going to bed. Here are my Good cucumber night. slices. Good night. Yeah. Yes. Here are my... I would like I would give them to you. Um, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm just saying that was me acting out you where finding them. Where are my cucumber slices? Where are my cucumber slices? Um, anyway, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, no, I, there, there's just a certain amount. Like, there are some things that I don't think need to be televised. Marsha Clark and I debated this on the uh, mm-hmm. Dinner Party show. Yeah. She was one of our guests. I don't think that they should... There should be cameras in the courtroom. I don't think it should be performative. But do you feel that way about the January 6th theory? I don't, honestly, because there has been such misinformation. Yes. And I think there has to be some counter to that mis- misinformation. And unfortunately, the news media in our culture has just completely fallen apart mm. in the last six years. I just read that the uh, the new CEO of um, of CNN... Wants them to stop calling it the big lie because it's too partisan. Oh, suck my dick. Yeah. It's like I'm just – I am so sick of the complete failure 
of the media to function as a news organization and to completely have devolved into an entertainment medium that I, I just, I don't know what to even make of it anymore. So they can no longer be relied upon mm-hmm. to accurately present the facts. And mm-hmm. so I think we need some kind of organization to do that. So, yeah, I am actually okay. against, against my usual policy. I am actually in favor of this because people need to see that, no, that's actually, this mm-hmm. is actually not what happened. There, there wasn't any voter fraud. There was no real actual, the, it was not stolen. Millions more people voted for Joe Biden than voted for uh, millions more people voted for Hillary Clinton than voted mm-hmm. for for him, and nobody disputed that election. And no. he got to be president for four years and completely wrecked our economy and mm-hmm. killed millions of people. And yes, you know, absolutely. it was generally a disaster. So, like, yeah. you know, at least we have somebody who's trying. So, could we mm-hmm. stop lying about it now? Yeah, totally. Anyway, it's. It, it, I really think it's important. Mm-hmm. That okay. people began to see, particularly like maybe not to me because I don't need to be convinced, but to the people who have continued to parrot this bullshit because those are the only people that are being covered are the liars because they're more entertaining. That's how he got elected in the first place. Mm-hmm. He was more entertaining, so he was the only one that the news media would cover because they were about entertainment now, not news. Right, and I think that when there's this idea, and I think it's particularly prevalent among Republicans who hate Donald Trump and want to oust it from the party. Party, that the the narrow margin that managed to elect him uh, was made up of Republicans who believe in core conservative ideas and truly thought that Donald Trump was just a loudmouth personality and that his weaknesses were not big enough to outweigh his ability to put in Supreme Court justices that they agreed with and do all these things. And I think the Liz Cheney of it all is about saying, look, this man's personal failings as a human being are actually a danger to the country. He cannot be the vehicle for your conservative ideas. He's too self-centered. He's too narcissistic. He's too crazy. And he's too disrespectful of the rule of law and how our government actually works to put him in again. So elect me president when I run in the next election, which you pointed out pretty yeah, early she's on. she's totally running for yeah. president. But, you know, she's also – like, I think it's a fair point because – I figure she's probably really thrilled about what the Supreme Court is doing lately. I like, know. She doesn't disagree with those things, and yeah. that's the thing. She What she does disagree with is people trying to pervert our own system of government, which is yeah. that's really a much bigger problem than people having differing views. That's how democracy works. People have differing views. I don't necessarily like all of them, but that's the deal, and that's how we have to move forward. And people wanting to be dictator and overthrow the government is not really cool. Yeah. Um, so, But the Windsor decision— as you pointed out earlier, it was the repeal of there was a, a piece of legislation on the books called the Defense of Marriage Act, which Bill Clinton signed and later said he signed under pressure after trying to be very progressive on gay rights and being met with unbelievable resistance, which I remember. It was a young person. Yeah, it then. was hideous. It was hideous. He tried to uh, repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and he was resoundingly defeated on well, that. He actually didn't try to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Oh, Tell. no, that's right. He I always get that wrong. He, he implemented, implemented Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Don't Tell. He tried, right. But what he started out trying yeah. to do was eliminating rules right. against being gay in the military, and the I'm, military wouldn't let him. It was the reason really I, wouldn't let him. I really, it was one of the reasons I always hated Colin Powell. Yeah, Because totally. he was actually one of the people who stood in the way of yeah. um, that and, and put Clinton in that position. And I always felt like he shouldn't have compromised because it was early, and I felt like... 
I always used to say, and maybe it's true or not, that if he hadn't compromised on gays in the military, um, on ending discrimination against gays in the military, that we would have had universal health care in his administration. I, right. I think he began by by backing down. And, and so the Defense of Marriage Act was, by his later telling, I was trying to prevent an outright ban on gay marriage by telling states they did not have to recognize a gay marriage from another state. Because the movement of the time and uh, the subsequent president, George W. Bush, even included in his um, uh, State of the Union address is a continuing pledge to... Uh, amend the U.S. Constitution mm-hmm. to uh, take away our rights, to make yeah. us three-fifths of a citizen or whatever it was it was going to do. But um, I think that was the hedge, the idea that DOMA was a hedge against that. It didn't, as you can see, the subsequent president continued to campaign on the idea of changing the Constitution to make it more right. discriminatory. And then as the tide began to turn later and states began to legalize gay marriage, this was the stumbling block that was still in the way, saying that other states did not have to recognize your California gay marriage. Like you could be in a hot, there could be a hospital situation with your husband in Missouri and they, the hospital could ban you from seeing him because your marriage wouldn't be recognized there. So this had to be repealed by the Supreme Court in order for gay marriage to even be considered as the law of the land. I mean, it made gay marriage the law of the land. It said that you couldn't discriminate in the administration of marriage licenses. Or was that another decision? Weren't there two decisions that were, like, right behind each other? And it was like DOMA, uh, the repeal of DOMA cleared the way for a second decision? Well, the Proposition 8 fell. Because Here in California, there was no, right. Yeah. No, and at the Supreme Court because there was no stand. Nobody had standing. Oh right, it went through through the district court here in California, and it fell. And then they appealed it to the Supreme Court, and nobody had standing in the eyes of the Supreme Court because the state of California would not defend it. Right, and so since nobody had standing to present it, the it didn't really get overturned so much as the lower courts ruling held. Right, and that was the end of DOMA. I mean, of Prop Eight, and then. Um, Windsor was about saying you can't have two different versions of civil rights and the thing that was supporting that was DOMA and so it was really a 14th Amendment ruling as opposed to a gay marriage ruling I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And pitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. So celebrating this landmark gay rights ruling is the perfect entree to talking about a recent Netflix show that has captured all of our hearts, and that is Heartstopper. Eric, take us away. Oh, my God. (laughs) You're already crying over Heartstopper. It's like like what I've been waiting for. Like, it's just, Mm. okay, I'm going to open by saying this is a show about high school students falling in love with each other. Right. 
So we're just going to suspend any sort of judgment about speaking fondly of watching people <laughs> this age and I mack think, on each other and roll around. Yeah. And, you know, like, it's just like, mm, okay, I feel a little guilty about this because these people are very young people. But it was really, it was the, the it was the show I've never seen. And talk, talk about what that means. It was the show I've absolutely never seen. It was the show where two little boys in high school, where it's already impossible. Falling in love when you're a teenager oh is God, just yeah. already hideous, even under ideal circumstances. Straight people are miserable. Like, <laughs> listen to the radio, if you don't believe me. Every song that's ever written <laughs> and been popular with teenagers is about getting your heart broken, falling in love. As a young person, it's hard. Mm -hmm. And if you're falling in love in an environment where you are being told on a regular basis that not only are you not allowed to fall in love with the people you're in love with, but you're not even allowed to exist, it becomes really unpleasant. That entire part of my life was eliminated. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even a possibility. Mm -hmm. And so not only was there no possibility for me, but there was no place that I could go and see it. There was no example of it, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't like I could go watch it at the movies. I could not see it at all. It didn't even exist in fantasy. Yeah. And because of the continuing, like, Doma has been overturned, but the continuing mm, discrimination in mm -hmm. representation um, uh, is, I, I think, wildly um, rampant. I, I'm surprised. We, at the beginning of the month... We're looking at different shows and all of the different streamers have like a mm -hmm. there's a pride button that you can push, a pride, I forget what they call it, shield or whatever, where you can right. click on it. And it's a collection of ragtag crap and single mm -hmm. one off episodes. And it's still terrible. Mm -hmm. Like even now, even seven years into this and even as progressive as we are, there is a we're still doing a terrible job. I swear to God. Would everybody please write Disney and Hulu and tell them to fucking put the trouble with Harry mm -hmm. on goddamn Hulu, mm -hmm. for God's sake? Like, it's not like there's all these other um, romance movies. Yeah, that, no. On gay romance movies on Hulu or any of the other networks. Like, how long has it been since Brokeback? Mm -hmm. And we have not really had another one. Like they've been, we've made some real progress this month. We had Fire Island, Fire Island, on Hulu. Yeah, we've got Bros is coming up. So yeah, there's that's... a new trailer for Bros, which is like, oh, it's actually a rom com. The teaser was like, oh, it's going to be this body loud comedy. But the new trailer is like, oh, it's about two boys falling in love. How nice! Like, I was actually what a, what a, a fan. pleasant change of pace. Yeah. And this, this is about young love mm -hmm. finding its way through its own circuitous circumstances. Discrimination is addressed. You know, he's been bullied. And so that's an aspect of what goes on. But it's about two people finding each other and falling in mm -hmm. love in the sweetest, most innocent, most heartbreaking, terrified, but doing it anyway kind of way. And with the most joyous of outcomes, mm -hmm. um, it just, I could not have loved it more. It was so good that I would only allow myself to watch a little at a time to a certain point, And then you just, yeah, like, right. there's no way I can stop. But I, it was just, it's delightful. I think they're like half hour episodes. Yes, they are. They're a half hour. And these two adorable, they're not 
the most gorgeous, ripped, mm-hmm. anything right. that anybody ever saw. Their mm-hmm. teeth are very English. Mm-hmm. You know, the, <laughs> um, it is, they're charming and adorable and, right. and sweet and quirky and, you know, I, but they don't look like fabulous, vacuum-formed 30-year-olds. Right, Like, yeah. you know, some um, high school portrayals that we have seen. I was going to say, it's such a far cry from the CW here in the United States where everybody in high school is 27 years old and in amazing shape. And it gives you a jaundiced eye as to what a high schooler really looks like. Yeah. I had an experience a few years ago where I went to a college class to speak and I was like, these must be children. These can't These can't be 19 and 20 right. year olds. These are these are little wee children. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I don't know the age of the actors, but it looks like they're actually high school aged. They're you know? very young people yeah they're, they're very young people and they're you know and like I say they're adorable and they look just fine but they don't look like they're you know headed for the runway or the Tom Ford ad anytime soon mm-hmm. which no you know which is no judgment and they sh- probably should be yeah that's another area of discrimination that we probably ought to address God yeah. knows I have views on the complete failure of the fashion industry to actually make clothes for people people um, with actual bodies yes, yes exactly. with actual human bodies but that's another that's another <laughs> episode this is a breakthrough in representation mm-hmm. for gay people there's just Two little boys from a high school falling in love with each other. And right. That's the way. That's the story. That's the the entire story. There's lots of other little elements in the great drama and import of being in high school, but it's really not more than that. It's a simple, sweet story told honestly, and mm-hmm. I thought to great purposes. And the kids are just great. The guys playing the parts are the cast is flawless. The 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 B storyline, if you will, is about their friend um L, who is a trans student who actually has to switch schools, I believe because she's so badly bullied at the first school that she switches to a school across I guess, town. Was but it's also story? more of an it's an all girls school. So I think she may have also switched to be right. in that environment. When she transitioned, yes. And so so that's great. But also this was based on a graphic novel, which I kind of love. The graphic novel, I think, is a pretty big deal if you read graphic novels. I don't, unfortunately. But so, but there are these little stylistic touches where when there's a love moment and the boys are looking at each other, these little cartoon animated leaves that I assume are a signature from the novel itself drift through the frame. Or and hearts like, or right hearts. butterflies it's so cute. or whatever. It's really adorable. It's adorable. It's adorable. It is just adorable. And I just get, it's like I get like a grown-up in the room with a baby. I just <laughs> I just become a fool so, because it's so adorable. Here's and, a conversation I had with a friend of mine about the show. And he was in this place, of another gay man, and he was like, you know what? I'm feeling really down on my life. I'm single. I'm bitter. I'm older. I don't want to see it work out for young people right now. And I, and I was like, you know what? These kids are so young it's like watching two puppies get what they want yes. it's like there's no way you can't root for them there's none there's yeah. nobody could watch this and not hope that the kids find find each other that, absolutely that they get and you know it's like rooting for somebody to be brave enough because yeah. so the thing that we all need to be reminded you know is that your life the life that you want you have to be brave enough to step up and yes and ask for and if you're not seeing these kinds of images of people who look like you mm-hmm. and act like you and feel like you doing that, yeah, you're not being encouraged to have the bravery to step up and live I your own life. Think that's and ex- that yeah. was the thing that I loved about this. None of this was about nobody was like a raging drug addict and there was no 
there was one kind of over the top party, but it was pretty tame by mm-hmm. um, t- TV, particularly streaming TV standards. Oh, yeah. The, the parties on Euphoria. Which, oh my God! By the way, right. looked like the worst parties I've ever seen before. The if opposite you find at a party show like that, to this leave. show. The opposite show is Euphoria. Right. This show could not be more different. Could not be more different. Yeah. These are. This is very like field day. Field sports day plays right. a big part in it. Like yeah. there are no big ceremonies. Everybody is a very. It is a very simple story, and the the settings are very. I think jejun and realistic and mm-hmm. youthful and charming and none of that is happening. None of that big yeah. um hoop do nobody goes to a gay bar, nobody is having a drug problem, nobody is like none of those things are the things that are happening. This is about what it's about and not about everything else. And I I really appreciated that because I wasn't that person. I I've said a lot of my life, please stop telling me how to be gay. Mm-hmm. This is how I wanted to be gay. Mm-hmm. I wanted to fall in love with another boy in eighth grade and, you know, go to the dance and then break up and have each other, you know, break have my heart broken. And I think it's also important. Paint about it in art class or write, write a play about all of you. Right. I think it's also important. And this is what, because I tilt dark, if you haven't heard, but this is what started to come up for me. I was, I was watching this. Is like, if you don't allow this, if you if you make don't say gay laws that are about penalizing people for being gay and for talking about it, if you deprive uh, young queer kids in these envi- academic environments of any kind of oxygen to be themselves, they're going to go on the internet or they're going to go to the local rest stop. And I have heard that story for years of the young gay guy in the 50s, 60s, and 70s who had nowhere to go and nowhere to be himself, and so he went to a place, a lawless a sexual marketplace where he was preyed upon by older people who were there because they knew younger people would be there. And it's a self-perpetuating system where you drive them out of the mainstream and over into these shadowy corners where these they have these yucky experiences and it becomes their only experience of intimacy and romantic connection. And it is it is a galaxy away from letting a boy take another boy to the prom or letting a a girl take another girl to the prom or letting a student express their gender identity is like you banish them. I was thinking of the uh, season of American crime story that we watched. We, I don't think we've talked about it on the show, but it was a really unflinching look at how many closeted gay high school students are on hookup apps meeting grown men. And it's, 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 and they're doing it because they feel like they can't be themselves where they are. And you want, you want a world where um, gay peers can develop relationships and friendships too, because those are equally important with other gay peers. And, and I think it's important for their emotional development. And this depicts that as a reality in a way that I haven't seen anything else depicted at this age. It's not like it was a given. It wasn't one of those, um, I, Stained glass, uh, ice cream, uh, Ryan Murphy, yeah, uh, Netflix things where we just pretend like everything is like fine. Hollywood. We just right, eliminate yeah. all of all opposition. Like there were still obstacles and there were still struggles about it. Yeah. Like there was a, there was a lesbian couple at the um, at the girls' school who they are a couple mm-hmm. and they make the decision to be 
open yeah. with everybody about it. And they talk about their feelings around that and the challenges of that and, mm-hmm. and how that affects them. Like it isn't like it's just a given or there's not any sort of pushback or struggle, but it's about making the effort. It's about right. showing people making the effort to be honest and be themselves. I was never a gay bar person even as – even when it was, I was old enough to go. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't mind going to a gay bar. It was fine. But, like, that's not where I wanted to be. I always mm-hmm. used to say I want to dance with my boyfriend at the Rainbow Room. Right. And, right, I want... I wanted to go to prom with him. I wanted to, I want the same experience as everybody else. That's what Ruth Bader Ginsburg said when they were debating DOMA. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's marriage. It's not skim milk marriage. It's mm-hmm. not a reduced fat version. It's not half of, it's not a pale imitation of, it's either the full thing or it's not anything at all. And I think that's really important. Otherwise you wind up with people who have become so devoted to their second-class status that they've come to believe that it is their cultural heritage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, my cultural heritage is the same heritage as everybody else who's an American, Mm -hmm. like everybody else in the world. Mm -hmm. It isn't just the back room at a gay bar. Mm -hmm. That is not my cultural heritage. It's fine if you think that's hot. It's fine if you want to do that. I assume there are back rooms at straight bars too. Here's the thing, and you point this out all the time and accurately so. If that is the only option, the metric of success in that universe is very specific and it's who looks the best in their underwear. And you've got to have, if you're going to have a multidimensional, vibrant community, you have to have more opportunities for social advancement than who's the cutest naked. Right. Who's the do. biggest one? You cannot just be do. the reason that we make I mean, that call. I mean, Oscar Wilde would be laughed out of a circuit party today. I mean, he would he would just be too fat and they wouldn't want to dance. You know, it's just, I, yeah. I, like, it's like. I always say I joined yeah. the gay with Oscar Wilde and Cole Porter right. and, and China and silverware and Lennon Table yeah. Plus. That's the gay I joined up for. And some of the most venomous sort of. Um, Inter intertribal fights in the queer community are about those sort of um, one group deciding another group is less sexy and less valuable. I have been more discriminated against by other gay people than I ever have been by straight people. Yeah. Like, not institutionally, obviously. Right. They didn't pass laws against me. But in my own community, I have been way more discriminated against by other members of the community. Yeah. Which, again, is about the need the overwhelming need for conformity if you're all locked into this very tight little space. And fighting for every little scrap of light and acceptance and validation. And the only place that you can be of value is at on the dance floor at the local gay bar, which is I think that's great. But if that's not your thing, maybe you could be, you know, in uh, the the, the one who shines in math, the gay boy who shines in math class or the science lab. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash show. No, I meant in the car.
Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. But today, I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio Um, when I ask Christopher to make the tea. Yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences. The page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And while it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. It was challenging watching it and not thinking of my own high school experience, obviously. I'm sure you had the same experience. I mean, of watching it. Not We didn't have a, the same <laughs> high school experience, but we're ye- years and years and years separate us. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I, I feel relatively certain that we had, did yeah. not have the same high school experience. I'm sure there were elements, sadly, there were probably yeah. elements that were, were very similar. Uh, but, um, but no, it was... It, it was reminiscent of that. And it was about, it was the thing that I loved about it. It was like an idealized version of it. Mm-hmm. Like, as I was saying earlier, I love that they didn't sanitize out all the notions of, you know, not being one of the cool kids and not and being, a li- mm-hmm. feeling a little bullied and, and the troubles that, you know, are a part of high school, but about being brave enough and encouraged enough um, to step up and, and do it anyway, mm-hmm. to have the experience anyway. Um, I, I I loved that about this, but yeah, this was very much an idealized version. Like, I don't know, but I kind of feel like I might have been killed if I had mm-hmm. had a similar experience. In like, when I went to, like, after 10 years after graduation, my 10-year high school reunion, I was 28 years old, um, I thought it would be great. You know, we're out of high school now. We've moved past all of this bullshit. Mm. Wouldn't it be great? Won't it be great to see everybody bald and fat or whatever, you know, like headed towards um, being middle-aged people and married and like grownups, like in a, seeing these same people in a completely different way. And so I went. So I went. Um, some woman came up to me and... Uh, Cursed me out for the way I was dressed. Um, oh my god! I, a group of bo- a group of grown men started this thing about because I had come in with another friend. I came with a group of several other friends. Right. Started this thing about with the friend who I the guy friend who I'd watch. Is he your date? Are you dating? You know, like. Oh my god! It was it was like oh my god, really? Ten yeah. years later and this is still where we are? Like, yeah. I never went back. I have never been to another mm-hmm. high school reunion. It was like, there's a reason I haven't seen you people for ten years. I guess yeah. I guess I, I have to go. I, I thought maybe you'd outgrow this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd put up with it in high school um, and it 
spades, but I saw no reason to put up with it. That's why it gets better. You can just leave. (laughs) Exactly. I was going to ask, do you know where any of these people were on January 6th? Well, you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised yeah. if some of them were there, although we were a little old for that. I, there's a lot of a lot of steps involved on January right. 6th. God, yeah, I hate that story. I, you, you were, out, were you out? Were you in? You weren't really in, but you weren't really out? I always say, you know, like I was never really in. I never really did in. There was mm-hmm. not pretend girlfriends, and I didn't do anything to disabuse anybody of the notion, but it was not really possible Mm -hmm. in 1977 is when I graduated from high school in Columbia, South Carolina. It was not really possible to be out and proud in that environment. Like, they might have killed me. Where would you have gone to be out and proud when you weren't at school? The first gay bar I ever went to, and I was well after high school, let me tell you, was in an old gas station. Weird. It was called the End Zone. Oh, and it of was um, <laughs> and it was in an old gas station. The the part that where the they fixed the cars, where the big roll up doors are, mm-hmm. that was where the dance floor was. Mm. And the part where you go in where the bathroom would have been and where the office would have been, that was the bar part. And you could see through you know how they have the windows where they mm-hmm. can see out where the cars are? That was gone. And so you could see through there mm. from the bar out to the dance floor. That was the first gay bar ever. And this was in Columbia, South Carolina. Yes. Wow. Way out on Main Street. Wow. So not hidden in the middle of it town. It was down the street from the Capitol. Wow. I, as Even as a um, – there was a place called the Capitol Club that was literally two blocks away from the Capitol that was really kind of maybe my favorite because it was quiet and you could sit around and, right. you know, like it was – there wasn't a piano bar, but there was a piano. So sometimes mm-hmm. there was somebody doing it. But it was that sort of gentleman's club. And then there was this – Terrible, topless, bottomless gay strip club directly across the street from the state capitol called Spanky's wow. that I went to when I was on book tour mm. in Columbia um, many years later. But uh, so I don't know if any of that's still there. But uh, yeah. But anyway, I, I don't know how I got off on all of that. I, well, we were talking about high school, and then I immediately went into bar culture. We but should tell you something was, about um, high school was about me being me. Like I was mm-hmm. like I didn't say it, but I didn't not say it. Yeah. I didn't make an effort to pr- try and pretend to people that I wasn't. I couldn't really bring myself to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, like I was closeted. I mean, a lot of people didn't buy it and they kept talking about how they didn't buy it, but I was really not willing I was. I really believed I was bisexual, and then I had to actually practice some bisexuality to realize that I wasn't. And it was one of those experiences of of having mildly gratifying experiences with women and then having your first experience with a boy and your heart is racing and the sides of your face are, your your pulse is pulsing in the sides of your face. (laughs) And it's like, oh, this is actually what it's supposed to feel like. It's not supposed to feel like a game of cards where no one has their clothes on. This is actually... The earth is going to move and the angels weep and all that sort of stuff. And that that didn't happen until... The angels are involved. Wow. <laughs> well, it's New Orleans. There's an angel on top of everything, darling. Um, but they were all stone, you know, and old, but whatever. They were watching. It's made out of buttercream frosting. Mm-hmm. I see. <laughs> but... Uh, and that that didn't happen until I was about 17, 18. So it's like I let the pressure build up. 
you know, and then it was like it exploded. But I was really committed to the part that I was playing in high school, which is maybe I was bisexual, but one day eventually I would marry Alicia Silverstone. That was my fantasy in my head. But I could not stop thinking about the football team. And I think that's really like a healthy part of of where this conversation, I hope this conversation is headed. Right. What if it's just, yeah, a continuum? What if you're just, oh, okay, well, maybe I am really attracted to them. Let's have that experience. Let's, rather than it having to be an all or nothing kind of thing. I think, yes, I think back in the day, like, I remember um, Elton John coming out as bisexual and everybody in the entire world went, girl, really? Mm -hmm. Please. Um, You know, I think it has been used in that way. Mm -hmm. But I think people are on a continuum. And I think if people are uncertain, then fine. Yeah. You know, like, try different things. Why should there be a stigma attached to trying different things? And why should it be... An option. I've seen an interesting conversation on social media recently about how um, this term compulsory outness, right? Everybody who is gay needs to be out, and it's a political move to come out. And um, I think that becomes less important when there stops being a compulsory assumption of heterosexuality, when you don't assume what somebody is from the outset and and allow them to reveal it in their own way. And that is really, I think, where... You know, I think that is really what fuels all of this representational conflict in the media is that sort of assumption that everybody is the same, that everybody Mm -hmm. is, that there is a particular thing and it is what most people are. And so everything is somehow a version of that. Here's the thing that really sets my hair on fire about the don't say gay stuff, and I think it ties directly into what you're saying. Oh, my God. The thing? All of it does, but it treats... Um, homosexuality, queer sexuality, bisexuality, um, transgender identity as an adult affliction that um, children must be protected from, a pollutant, if you will, that um, they can be, and and it redefines tolerance and acceptance as we'll put up with this out of you when you're a grown-up and you're not too much in our space and we don't really have to see you if we don't want to. That's the message that I think it sends, right? And it says everybody is truly and fundamentally um, heterosexual until they are turned or converted by an uh, external experience. And I think what you realize, if you are a member of this community, is um, this has been with you fundamentally all along from day one. You may not have recognized what it was at first, but as everyone around you sexualized, you sexualized in time with them, and you realize these were where your feelings went and, and, and how they played out. Um, no event turns people homosexual. There is no event that turns people homosexual. It's, it's absurd to posit that. There's no event that turns people heterosexual. Right. And that's yeah. that's the part of the don't say gay that 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 pit that makes that sets my hair on fire. Right. Is, and you have more hair, so that's that a big deal. I have a lot of hair, yeah. so it's a big fire. Right. Um it's it is the it is the thing that you were talking about. It is the presumption that it's like fish don't know they're in water. Mm-hmm. You know Everything is heterosexual all the time. Oh, yeah. Everything is about heterosexuality all the time. Every discussion, every institution, you know, the constant thing about the family on the news and everybody talking about getting having children and getting married and all of those things are about an expression of your sexuality. And mm-hmm. the belief that that 
not saying gay removes the discussion of sexuality from this particular, right. I, I don't know, five to kindergarten to third grade or whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. The, by removing the, that conversation, there's no discussion of sexuality, and it ignores the fact that everything is a discussion of heterosexuality all the time. Absolutely. All the time. And the fact of the matter is that if heterosexuals are going to treat their heterosexuality as divine, they need to have more interesting children than they're having for the most part. They need to have families that are actually a contribution to society and learning and figuring out ways to feed the hungry. Like, I went and had some kids doesn't make you an instrument of God, all right? They actually need to change things <laughs> oh, for better. I was wondering. I was right. like, what? What is this? Like, or not. Like, have whatever stupid kids you want to have but um you can have whatever kids you want to have but to act like your endeavor is superior because you're churning out these mediocre children (laughs) sorry it's just like you're just doing a thing it's great have your kids love your children but stop acting like it's the word of god that you need to do this you know i always said we should totally like make it like before doma before they overturned doma i was like well, then let's just do away with any sort of government recognition of marriage. I thought that's where we were headed, to be Every, frank. Everybody yeah. will be a domestic partner. Right. If you want to have this divine church-sanctioned yes. experience, go have it. And we'll just won't, there won't be any laws or tax re- rebates or anything else to protect it. It'll right. just be, you know, this thing that you chose religiously to do because I believe in freedom of religion. I believe you can believe whatever stupid fairy tale you want to believe <laughs> <laughs> so loving. That's so loving. <laughs> Almost as loving as my mediocre children line. It's very spiritual here today on the I swear uh, TDPS. To God. I swear uh, to God. The thing that you just made me think, oh, it went out of my head. Oh, or you redefine marriage, right? You 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 don't call it marriage anymore, and you have a new government recognition of people that requires them by law to procreate and have at least, you know, one or two children. And then you then you can put your, you know, money where your mouth is for all the people who say, well, Marriage is a, is a divine a, a communion in, in designed to bring new life into the world. All right, get to work. Get to work. Start saving well, for their college. Well, that was another of Ruth Ginsburg's points about it. Right. What about people, you know, like so it's not okay for people in their 50s to get married? Yeah, like, absolutely. Because there's no procreation going to happen there. And they were like, well, it might. She was like, yeah, no, don't bring that to me. Yeah, don't, don't bring that to me. Although um, this court... <laughs> You know, they might really give that idea a hearing. the thing that I love about the overturning of DOMA and the overturning of, like, is that the reason Gorsuch voted the way Gorsuch voted that got us ENDA um, Mm -hmm. is the 14th Amendment. We were guaranteed equal protection under the law. Yeah. Like, we're we're not—maybe they can make a case for, you know, overturning Roe versus Wade— but they're not saying you can have an abortion, but you can't have an abortion. Mm, mm-hmm. They're saying nobody can or the states can rule or whatever the hell it is they're saying. Uh, yeah. Women shouldn't have control over their own bodies. Yeah, forced appears to policy, me to what right. they, yeah, exactly. but 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 what overturned DOMA mm-hmm. wasn't a question of it's okay with you or religious sanctity or anything else. It was the Fourteenth Amendment. So in order right. to overturn, to go back. Yeah. We would have to change the 14th Amendment. We would have to say all Americans are no longer entitled to equal protection under the law. And that doesn't seem like a case anybody's going to be able uh, viably to make. I don't want to give anybody any ideas because I think this is also incredibly unlikely too. But the decision they would really have to repeal is the sodomy decision. Because that is the decision that said the sex act that gay men are most likely to commit is no longer a crime. 
And, and that was the beginning of all of this. And we were no longer a criminal class based on what we did in the bedroom. And so the Equal Protection Clause applied to us. The Equal Protection Clause doesn't apply to someone who's been convicted of pedophilia or grand larceny. Your rights can be taken away in accordance with the legal system. But if you're no longer a member of a criminal class, then you must be treated. It doesn't matter if you make somebody uncomfortable. The Constitution doesn't care. What happened with that cup, Eric Shaw Quinn? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I st- tea just keeps pouring out of the bottle. Oh, is of it, it tea? I thought I, maybe I didn't wash it properly. Or something. Or I have whatever. no idea. Like it's just loaded. Like it just <laughs> keeps- we're having this big conversation, and he keeps holding the cup up and shoving Kleenex further into the little there's hole in the little, bottom. There's a, they're, they're hollow cups, and yeah. there's there's I don't know what keeps oh, pouring out of it. But too. anyway, this is but clearly you know we're getting so worked up. You've broken your cup, and now maybe that's what happened. Yeah. I have no idea. I'm not sure about that. I don't know yeah. that that's necessarily that I feel that that's because they continue like Doma was subsequent to the repeal of. No, no, it wasn't. Of uh, of sodomy laws. No, no. The repeal of sodomy laws, I think, was several years later. I think the repeal of sodomy. Sandra Day O'Connor is the one who wrote the opinion on. Yeah, and, and don't she was on the court when Doma. Then? Doma was like 1992 or 93, and I think the Lawrence decision, I think is what it was, was maybe the late 90s or even the early aughts. I don't know. Yeah, because it's why Massachusetts made its move and and put gay marriage on the books because they thought, here's the opening, and then W did his amendment. That's how I remember it, at least, but, you know, math. It involves math and calendars. But, but your point is, yeah. but the end point is the, um, is the same, is that in order to, in order to, Make a change. They would have to change the Constitution. Exactly. Because that was the the issue that was decided. Yeah. That was ultimately what the court decided. And that's really, you know, that's that's a much bigger issue than just simply gay marriage. Yeah. That's uh, anything. You yeah. can't. You can't say that one group can have a right that another group can't have. Exactly. You can't have laws that only apply. Mm-hmm. To specific groups of people, and that—that is ultimately the thing that—that that is a greater protection for us than the states' rights bullshit issues yeah. around taking women's autonomy away from yeah. them. I, that's a whole nother. Episode. That's a whole nother. But I don't here. think it would be. And any, it didn't come up in Heartstopper. It because didn't come up in Heartstopper. Also, not about teen pregnancy. There Absolutely. is no other drama in it with the, these teens are dealing with than who. When did this? Where does? Where does this? Where, where can people see this show? Christopher? They can see it on a little station called Netflix. It's Netflix. It's a Netflix show. I yes. couldn't remember for a second. I and the graphic I novel is by Alice Osman. I think is how you say her name. O S E M A N. And she also wrote the show. She, I think she wrote all the episodes, it looks like. So, excellent, excellent. Just, I, I could not have enjoyed it more. I can't recommend it more highly. Um, I think it was, it's something that you could watch with your kids. Yeah, totally. There's no sex in it. It's just kissing. Yeah, there's that's, no it sex. doesn't, there's, it's not, you know, it is not euphoria at a, at any level. Watch euphoria and you're going to want to give away your kids. That's what I, it, it convinced me never to have children. Uh, like, don't let your kids watch euphoria because they might get some ideas that you don't want them to have. Or like, you homeschool I'm them. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, no, euphoria is way too mature for your kids. It's, it's just. It's not for high schoolers. It's for people who look back at their high school experience with misery and pain, <laughs> like we do. <laughs> 
It is a, Euphoria. By that said, Euphoria is an astonishing, astonishing show, and the address of of queer culture in it is oh, yeah. also remarkable and delightful and laudable. And and I think that it's important that you know, like it's it is probably I don't know that I feel represented by um, Euphoria. Euphoria. Yeah, like. I don't think that any of us were up to what was happening in Euphoria when no. I was of the age to be no. represented by Euphoria. But I think people are. And mm-hmm. I think that's important, too. I think that, that you know, I think that Queer as Folk, which is out now, is important, too. I don't feel represented by the the people who are depicted in any version of Queer as Folk, except maybe the English one and then only a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um but that doesn't mean that people don't. Right. Yeah. And, or that and, it shouldn't exist. And that it shouldn't right. exist. I think that that's about another group of people finding themselves and seeing themselves um, in in these uh, in these representations. It it is really easy to feel like this is happening a lot, and it's not. These it's are not. still very rare circumstances. It's, it's of not. Yeah. Gay and queer people being presented. At all, mm-hmm. in any kind of positive or even just representative yeah. light um, in the media. And I really can't stress how important I think that is enough. And I can't stress how important I think everybody seeing Heartstopper really Absolutely. is. Absolutely. I want the buffet table for us. I want us to have the buffet table full of queer stuff. And the buffet table always has something on it that some people don't like. But the table needs to be full. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that... They can't. We don't have a gay network because there's just not enough content. There's not enough content. There's not enough content. There's not enough content. Uh, we could do a separate episode about the fact that in Hollywood for years there wasn't a financial incentive to do gay stuff because even the gay people in positions of power weren't buying it or celebrating it because they were afraid their jobs would be on the line. But that's a whole other episode, and we're running out of time on this one. So I'm going to tease our next episode because we are— Are we? Brandon, we, how much time do we have left? We had, he just gave us the five-minute warning a few minutes ago. Brandon, are did we you at quit? one minute? We have a minute and a half left. See, I know how to do math sometimes, Eric Shark. And sometimes you stop the show five minutes early. So I <laughs> that's just what I, I would, have to go to the bathroom. I just thought I would check in and find out how long Listen, we'd actually been doing. Rachel this. Maddow's coming on after us. We've got to go to the break. No, I'm just kidding. We're our own podcast on our Does own. Does she network. still come on anywhere? She's I don't always know. on vacation now. I hope she's having a good time. I do too. Next up, what? Christopher wow. and Eric's. True Crime TV Club is back. Christopher and Eric's True Crime TV Club is back. Our standard disclaimer is that you do not have to watch the show we're going to talk about because we serve it up in such steaming detail that you will feel like you did. But we're going to be talking. This is a first for us. We're doing a show available on Peacock. Because we successfully saved the peacock. Right after saving the peacock, Dateline is on peacock. Dateline is on peacock, absolutely. And so is Murder, She Wrote. So we kind of have done shows about peacock. Okay, no, we haven't done a true crime TV club about a show called Cruise Ship Killers. No, we haven't. So we are, it's summer, we thought it has a vacation (laughs) theme, season one, episode 25. Just when you thought it was safe to go back on the oceans. The episode title is James. Yeah, all of them are just named after the people who are the victims of crimes. Okay, I, the- I shouldn't laugh, but it's just usually the episode titles are like Dark Midnight or Crazy Aunt Glenda. The shooting is- at uh, uh, yeah. Stony Night Brook Road. Point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Night Egg Point and Rice's Werewolf Mansion. There was no shooting there. All right, 
Podcast. Um, anyway. Until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Jacquin. And you're listening to the last 30 seconds of TDPS <laughs> presents Christopher <laughs> and Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.